Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Tim Skinner and I are your huckleberries as we take you through the wild, wild west in today's episode as we talk about 1993's Tombstone. Alright, Tim Skinner's here. We're going to be talking about Tombstone, ending the trilogy of episodes where I talked to former broom professors. Uh, I knew, Tim, I knew you before I even had a class with you. Really? I had, I had well, because I remember I came to registration day, or like an open house, and I met you there. And then I slowly got to know you and just talked to you in the, in the office. And then I finally, my last semester, had writing for the media with you, but never actually took a class with you really? beforehand. Really? You yeah. never had a class yeah. before writing for the media? Mm-hmm. That's... That's wild. It is wild because we would always just like talk in passing, like just, you know, I'd be in the suite or you would come in and just be like, you know, you'd make a Simpsons quote and I'd just be like, all right, I'd hop on that train and we would just go, you know? Yeah. You were the few, one of the few who still got them. Yeah. So. (laughs) Now we have a lot of listeners who are big Simpsons fans, so. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, So we're talking about Tombstone today. Uh, A big favorite of of my household it was uh, always on I remember like on TV my stepdad loved it I always remember seeing the VHS on the shelf in mm-hmm. my basement I never got to watch it because obviously it's you know it was rated R um, but I was always very curious because the, the box of the DVD is like just all these guys in a row and I mean this movie you know features every you know male actor from the 90s um, where where does this movie how did this movie come into your life well this movie came into my life ironically uh, through television as well um, I was in high school when it came out. I think I was in like eighth grade or something like that, and it had come out, and it caught my eye. It was just the it looked like the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to wait. I couldn't see it in the theater because obviously I was underage at the time. Um, but I actually got it when it came out on pay per view. There mm-hmm. was one day where I was uh, sick from school, and was like, man tombstones on (laughs) I wonder if I can talk mom and dad into ordering it and then I'll videotape it and you know uh, sure enough they were like oh yeah you know go ahead you need something to kind of kill time and it was like oh yes I finally get to see it and it just blew me away Uh right from the right from the opening I will say that's like kind of a big thing for me was like the moment when just as a kid when a movie that you wanted to watch your parents finally let you watch it was like just such a big like oh my god yeah for me that was like like Die Hard or Raiders mm-hmm. like I for a while it was just like no we probably shouldn't watch that and finally when my mom and stepdad were like alright you're yeah. old enough to watch it it was like just such a big moment uh and I think I first saw this movie, it was, I mean, I had seen, like, bits and pieces of it. My very first, you know, like, kind of intro to this movie was my brother talking about it and saying how funny this scene is when Val Kilmer does the uh, the spin of the teapot, like, kettle on his, oh, on yeah. his finger. With, yeah. with the gun, they're trying to intimidate mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. yeah, and I was just always pictured that in my head because, like, I would, I was so, like, like straight to the rules I wouldn't break them so I was just like trying to imagine it in my head but I would never watch it and I think I first watched it I think maybe like just two years ago or something like that it was I watched it because uh, we were snowed in one day and Mm -hmm. my brother just had a feeling it was like let's just watch Tombstone and god such a fun like great like movie when you're just like let's just watch like we gotta watch something just put, put Tombstone on because 
there's something about this movie. It's like perfectly in the 90s, comes out in 93, mm-hmm. and it's like this really big, bloated, over the top movie that is just so fun and damn entertaining to watch. Like you're you're just stuck to like riveted. Yeah, and and they really put their heart and soul into it. Um, Kevin Jari wrote it mm-hmm. uh, initially, and it was supposed to be his directorial debut. He was coming off of Glory, uh-huh. and they were only with Kevin Jari. The only scenes he shot were the Charlton Heston scenes. Yeah, uh, the production kind of overwhelmed him, so they switched it up. And the cool story that's just kind of been coming around these last couple of years is the real director of Tombstone um, was Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah, um, and they got this. He kind of contacted Sylvester Stallone and said, hey, I'm I'm in a bind. Like, I really like this movie. I want to make this movie. We started to shoot it. Jari got behind the production. Uh, people have fired him. What do I do? And it was actually Sylvester Stallone who was like, ah, I ran into that. It, like, filming that cinematic classic Rambo part two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a oh, good very over-the-top yeah. 80s. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> um, but... Uh, he was like, yeah, I got this guy, and he kind of was my yes man or director on the set, and then I would just stick around later on and you know, come in with my notes and stuff, and that's what essentially Kurt Russell did was uh-huh. he reworked the script, took out a lot of his stuff so that he could at least have the sanity to do both mm-hmm. um and they did it yeah it like it came together like really well i mean with that with the power of him producing and i mean like he even had like like you said like the story um is like even just recently he was saying like you know he was going through his notes and like the idea of like people asking him if he would like put together like his own cut of it or something like that and like he would have to go through all of his notes and like look back and he had like just found some of the old paper of scenes that he wrote and mm-hmm. and I mean like even bringing in sliced alone who was just like notorious for you know taking credit for things that he may or may not have had you know, yeah. full full yeah. hand in yeah uh, but that's kind of something that's interesting about this movie is how kind of rocky the production was like overall I mean they're doing a western mm-hmm. it's a big sprawling movie but it's like so tough you're dealing with a lot of horses mm-hmm. you know it's a, it's a big period piece um, I feel like that's one of the testaments of this movie that the fact that it got made in that sense with all those troubles well and, and the fact not just the troubles but they were able to use a lot of that budget went to rebuilding Tombstone yeah like they were they filmed some stuff in the actual Tombstone, Arizona, but they essentially rebuilt the whole town. So uh, even the extras, the extras were a lot of like um, Wild West uh, cosplayers and they lived that lifestyle. And they were talking to some of the uh, other actors uh, when they were getting ready for production, said, hey, can you get some more guys down? They're like, oh, yeah, sure. These guys came down, and according to Kurt Russell, was like, man, they came down, they brought their own tents, they brought their own gear, they were in their own costumes, and we built the town. Yeah. And the actors and actresses all said, like, it was just the most awesome thing to see. Uh-huh. You'd literally walk in, and they're like, it's like walking into the 1800s, mm-hmm. uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, because... It was literally a town. Like, the horses were their horses. Like, you even see some shots of them uh, coming into town, and, you know, you see the horse droppings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's like, oh, this isn't like a cleaned up cinema, like, really nice, clean set. This is something that looks like it's actually been lived in, uh-huh. and it just adds that little detail to the, it definitely to adds, the whole story. It definitely feels real, mm-hmm. like, for sure. I mean, as... 
as over the top as some of the like moments can get, it definitely feels somewhat grounded. I mean, like even the fact of you know, all the clothes feel like they're like they've been worn like hundreds of times and they're dusty. All mm-hmm. the mustaches are real, which yeah. is like I mean, we could talk about the mustaches of for hours of just how amazing if, they are. If I could grow a Kurt Russell mustache or even a Val Kilmer mustache, yeah. like life would be good. Oh yeah, but absolutely. I mean, Kurt Russell is just no Kurt Russell is just the king of those crazy mustaches. Yes. And like even in the Hateful Eight, it's yes. like it's just all over the place. But like. It, it, that is like just commitment right there. Everyone having all real mustache, and there, there's some crazy mustaches here. I mean, yeah. his comes like off of the side. Val Kilmer's is nice, nice little penny one. Uh, Stephen Lang has a full-on beard, beard. and like Powers, Powers Booth, Booth is yep. like that's like the classic like barbershop quartet like handlebar yep. mustache yep. that you see. And like you can't just you just have to look and just be like, wow, like I've just like greatest assembly of mustaches like yeah. ever. And, <laughs> and then you bring in like Sam Elliott, yeah, who, 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 who already just, has, who just yeah. comes factory issue yeah. <laughs> like i'm pretty sure upon birth like yeah. sam elliott came out with a mustache and his and, voice was like already like yeah, toned oh, down. oh yeah no yeah. way he had a higher voice in no, high school. no 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 <laughs> no chance whatsoever he just he was like i'm sam elliott and yeah I was like, okay um before we get into the movie i want to uh, ask you because i mean i wasn't around at this time movie comes out in 93 what were it, to your memory what were the movie years like in the 90s what like how is that decade cemented in your mind for film Boy, um, because I mean, it's pretty. Like, I mean, obviously, it's a decade, but like, it's pretty a pretty eventful it's, decade. It's, pretty yeah, changing decade, um, and and pretty sprawling too. Because you have, you still kind of have like those big blockbuster type movies that were made prevalent in the nineteen eighties. You know, you, Mission Impossible One, mm-hmm. um, Independence Day. You know, Spielberg's still around. Jurassic Park and yeah. and, and things like that. But then you start seeing like the rise of the little indie films, yeah. and they start uh, coming into the mindset. Buffalo '66, yeah, um, kind of a corporate independent in in the realm of uh, Empire Records, yeah. Um, so like little movies like that that might just be like a scene of a day, and following people around. It was, it was quite an interesting decade to just catch a film and there's so many different interests you really could about the only th- well I guess there were a few like scary movies that were around uh-huh. back then but but not a ton um, but it was just really kind of cool to see some filmmakers come up and oh my gosh uh, Spike Lee you know yeah. <laughs> uh, who like Spike Lee Tarantino you know those guys kind of coming out of the blockbuster video age yeah um, and deciding they're going to make their own movies it was a really cool time. Yeah, like, 89, Soderbergh comes out with Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. That mm-hmm. was kind of the big explosion of um, of independent movies and then leading into the 90s of people like Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, really, like, you have these two almost otherworldly realms of film at this time. The big blockbusters like Mission Impossible and, uh, like, like, Tombstone yeah. or, you know, the smaller ones. And... It seems as though it, we haven't had like a decade where the two seemed as balanced. They were pretty even, yeah. yeah. And and fan base too. Uh, yeah. But like, you didn't necessarily. You might not have heard of this movie or that movie, but you knew someone who did, and they were mm-hmm. like, "Oh, well, if you like this, we'll check this out." Yeah. And you can get from the big blockbuster to a bunch of small indie films like really quickly. Yeah. And people still going to the movies more frequently too. I feel like in this this era, I mean, a lot of people are talking about, you know, 20 years ago, 1999 as being one of the best movie years 
ever. And I like that was like kind of the la- like obviously tail end of the '90s. But like, there's so many movies that I just love that constantly come to mind when I think of the '90s. So like, Goodwill Hunting, yep. um, obviously Tombstone, and the Mission Impossible series. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, starting in the '90s, there's just it's a perfect like so many different things are going on and like a lot of different ideas and like the studios are changing a lot of up and comers Mm -hmm. I just think that like I mean you don't see a lot of that today I I feel like I mean it's not as perfectly balanced as as it was back then yeah it seems a little more blockbuster mentality nowadays Uh Um, and and don't get me wrong you know I I love the Marvel movies we can probably do a whole 12 hour series on that Um, yeah you're like oh yeah sure I'll get I'll get right on that I'm hitting stop right now Um, but um, but it, it is like it seems like a little bit more of like the formulaic movie as opposed to here's a story here's a character you don't need a ton more than that a little exposition and off you go yeah uh, now it's like we need to have prequels for some reason yeah and um, some of those independent films kind of get lost by the wayside uh, that's actually and I know this has nothing to do with Tombstone whatsoever but I I'll, I'll give the ringing endorsement for yesterday uh-huh. uh, that was one of the films that I, I enjoyed because I sat there and went oh this is kind of an interesting take mm-hmm. you know um what what would happen if you know if the Beatles the Beatles yeah. didn't exist and this guy comes along with all their songs and mm-hmm. uh, it was a little bit of, oh that that's kind of cool but for that one theater that yesterday was in there were still six for Avengers Endgame yeah so you know and that and that happened with with a bunch of films I remember because I worked across the street when I first started teaching here uh-huh. I was a movie usher sweeping up the popcorn mm. um, while teaching classes. Uh, but uh, I remember seeing The Prestige and just going, God, man, that movie's so good. this is such a good movie. Yeah. Like, why isn't this theater just packed to the gills? Yeah. But then also looking down the aisle and like, there's eight theaters devoted to Wild Hogs, that <laughs> cinematic classic. Um, <laughs> I saw that in theaters, I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I did too, but... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, the prestige is God. That's uh, and that's just right after Nolan does Batman Begins. Yeah, so, like, you'd think it'd be like, okay, this guy's on a hot streak, and he was. But like, oh, well, man, and, more people got to see that. And and even with the cast that he had, yeah, like Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Scarlett Johansson, you know, and a bunch, and a few other kind of Chris Nolan staples yeah. like Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Um, even David Bowie was in that movie. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> yeah, as Tesla, it's like, yeah. how do you not? And but, even. So like in like like now I feel like a movie like Tombstone kind of lends itself to be more of like a like a miniseries. And mm-hmm. the only reason they say that is because like I mean on Netflix last year we had um Godless Scott Frank's um all sprawling seven episode western miniseries with Jeff Daniels. And it just seems like because how big and expensive and just like um like detail oriented and like how big people want the stories to be for westerns feel like it could go on for so long like seven hours and you know there are parts of tombstone they as much as i like it that feel like they're just kind of like cut off yeah like they could go for a while and i think the, like the original cut of this movie was something like like three and a half hours or something like that it, as, yeah as far as i remember the, the, and they pared it down to about two hours and change yeah mm-hmm. um and even the director's cut they only really added like or the air quote director's cut that Vista put together mm-hmm. only added like four minutes of material 
to the overall thing. Um, but it was, I, I will give it its credit, the um, gunfight at the OK Corral was about as long as what you see on film. Yeah. Like they tried to make that as accurate as possible. Uh, I brought the, I'll have to show you the map uh, because it came with the director's cut. Uh, There's a hand-drawn map from Wyatt Earp um, that they made a copy of showing like their path. Like here's how we came and here's where the Clantons and McClowry's came in and here's how the gunfight went down. It was a really quick, for being such a pivotal you know, most people, when you picture Western gunfight, it's either, you know, the sheriff and the bad guy meeting at high noon in the middle of town or the gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah. And where it was like this really big planned, like, uh, we're going to get then like it, like everyone, like we got to get together. And then like, it, it was so fast. Yeah. Like, it like just goes so quickly, but it was like bloody and like everyone's like getting thrown around and Stephen Lang's diving into windows yep. and like... And and all uh, as historically accurate as you can make it, you know, even the sheriff coming up going, hey, guys, I disarmed him. And that's what I kind of like about Tombstone, too. It's not necessarily, yes, they tell you, here's the protagonist, here's the antagonist type deal a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if you really watch it, there's some shades of gray on both sides. You can see both perspectives going on yeah. like in fighting for the town and you have the one town sheriff who's really in with the cowboys going no I've disarmed them and mm-hmm. they're just like yeah whatever and they're yeah. <laughs> boom you know uh-huh. they, they keep on walking for sure and and they have the gunfight and Stephen yeah Stephen Lang's running into the to the windows and stuff that's all based off of the actual accounts of what happened and what's interesting with Tombstone and I know we get to why I like it a little bit later on yeah, in the program. We'll get there. But one of the reasons why I do, um, spoiler alert, uh, is uh, is that gunfight and the gunfight taking place in the middle of the movie. Most mm-hmm. Westerns that handle the gunfight at the OK Corral, that's the big grand finale. And, you know, everyone empties out their six shooters there. And it's this big thing. Yeah. Whereas in Tombstone, it really sets up everything else that yeah. goes on There's a lot of other that. stuff that happened I forgot how much other stuff I knew it happened like fairly earlier than you would expect it to yeah but I, I like completely forgot there was like okay then there's still the love story to tackle then there's you know Doc's downward spiral with TV and it's mm-hmm. like there's so many other things it's crazy and uh, Wyatt regretting mm-hmm. not becoming sheriff and not doing what he was eventually does with his the vendetta ride uh, sooner um, because they go after his brothers, and you're right, the love story, uh, holiday, the big conflict where by the end of it, everyone's deputized. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Seriously, like even even down to where like you know even Doc Holiday at the end kind of puts the badge on Johnny Ringo after their oh, another their great gunfight. Yeah. Um, you know, he puts the badge on him, and he's like, "Oh, my hypocrisy only goes so far." Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that then? Why is the Western such like kind of a staple for American film? It's such a standout genre. And like, I mean, this movie comes out 93. Just people who are seeing this movie still probably have fresh in their mind. Mm-hmm. It's like the older generation of, you know, the John Wayne era of and, you know, John Ford and all of those, you know, Westerns kind of romanticizing the American West. Why is why do you think it's still like fairly easy for us to go back 
and you know look at a western or like to make westerns now like we can just go and enjoy them like i feel like it's one of those that like people can latch on to yeah uh i i think in part it's part of the uh the american story mm-hmm. and and the myths of the old west you know the billy the kids uh the wyatt Earps, the doc holidays the james gang you know are all these legendary uh characters um but it it, it kind of still rings true, mm-hmm. and and there are callbacks to even uh, some of the older westerns. In that, I think it goes back to even the beginning of film. Yeah, there are some of the early zoetropes are scenes of a saloon fight. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the early films with narrative on uh, this side of of the Atlantic was uh, the Great Train Robbery. Which and, they and show, which the ending of it at the be- in the opening yeah, credits. Yeah, where the cowboy draws his gun yeah. and shoots it at the front. Um, and they have Robert Mitchum, who, mm-hmm. you know, most most generations now, if they're especially if they're Family Guy uh, fans, remember like the little joke where he he was always that guy that would suck in his gut to look like he was more jacked than mm-hmm. he was. Um, but he was a big. Uh, star in, in yeah. uh, Western movies. I, I just think, I think it rings true, and I think because it echoes, it just keeps going. It's something that generations in America can latch onto, and there's still that. It's right at the cusp of end of Civil War, beginning of kind of more modern era world war one world war two industrialism there's still that little window of freedom mm-hmm. and openness which uh the cinematography just really oh, yeah. goes all, all to the wall insane yeah. literally yeah. um just these big sweeping landscapes like they're right out of a david lean movie yeah, literally mm-hmm. and uh it, it just latches that sense of freedom and rebellion and yeah do whatever you want is just all imbued in the idea of the American cowboy. I feel like we can also, like, it's also easily recognized. Like, you can see a Western, at least, like, the kind of the staple of the Western fairly Mm -hmm. instantly. Yeah. And if you know the genre, then you know, at least, like, there's going to be some form of adventure. Yeah. There's going to be, you know, there's probably going to be some crazy shit that goes down. And it's kind of fun. Like, I mean, it's, it is a time that is very, like, kind of removed from our own in some ways that, like, it's easy to like kind of transport ourselves mm-hmm. there, and yeah, the myths. I mean, who hasn't heard of Billy the Kid at this point? You know, right. it's like it's such a great like you know classic story, and I feel like it's, e- it's so easy to get sucked in that way of how different the time is, but also how just ruthless the time was. Because yeah. like if you watch this movie, it's kind of brutal. Like when you think about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it's not a it's well, it is a Disney picture because it's touch tone, but yeah. it's, it's not <laughs> It's not a Disney movie uh-uh. where it's like everyone walks off into the sunset all singing this big musical number and everyone's happy. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a violent movie. Yeah. And and it really shows the West for what it is. It's it was a very violent time. If you didn't like somebody, you could you literally kill them. You could kill them yeah. potentially. And all they would do is take your gun. Yeah. 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 With that said, let's get into it. Let's just talk like, you know, okay. is uh, just go in. I I've totally forgot about the opening of this movie. And it's a great opening because of how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. The opening of this movie is out of control. I think the, they open with, uh, you know, the, the black and white film of 
uh, the Old West horses riding. They even add in, you know, Kurt Russell and Doc Holliday in yep. there, which yep. I didn't notice before. And of course, the Great Train Robbery. Straight into a wedding that is interrupted by the Great Powers Booth yep. and his band of cowboys and Michael Bean and in the game. Michael yep. Bean and Michael Rooker and. The first words of dialogue that we hear are, um, you killed two cowboys, and then they just kill everybody. Without a moment's notice, there's no other words exchanged. It's just instantly, and I remember, I like again, completely forgot this happened. I was just sitting in my chair like, oh my God. Like, literally, they just go balls to the wall immediately. Like, yep. I was just like, so, it's like, oh my God, it's so crazy. And Powers Booth, oh my God. I could talk for hours about Powers Booth. It's yeah, absolutely. It. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and this was, this was the first movie that I had seen him in. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this guy is just, you knew right out of the gate that Curly Bell was like one of the most evil guys oh, yeah. ever. He's always got like the, you know, the Powers Booth grin, like you just know it. And he's just like, he's got the mustache, like everyone's wearing the same clothes throughout the movie. And you just mm-hmm. know he's just this like, like shit heel that you're just like, oh, I hate you, but I just want to love you at the same time. Yeah. And, uh. We, I, I also have to say, I got to talk about the cast of this movie because of how just not even like just individual performance, how many people are in this movie. So we got yeah. Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, uh, Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Michael Rooker, Stephen Lang, Billy Bob Thornton. In Dan- one of his first movies. Yeah. yeah. Dana Delaney, Dana Wheeler Nicholson, and um, Charlton Heston. Mm-hmm. That's crazy yeah like, Bi- billy zane billy zane that's um, right <laughs> did you mention did you mention jason Priestley? no i didn't who was big he it, it was interesting to see him in a film like that at the time because in 1993 he's kind of in peak 90210 mode like yeah. that was i was almost like wait this guy who's like the big 90210 star is like yeah. this part i guess yeah because that was like right in the prime of 90210 yeah like one of the most popular shows on tv and then he comes out and does this and it's like what? yeah like really and is fantastic yeah um also in there uh john Cor- did you mention john corbett Mm-mm. okay john corbett's the uh my big fat greek wedding he's mm-hmm. he's the groom right in that he's uh one of the cowboys in right. one of his first roles um uh boy he's the one at the uh, in the big gunfight in the river, where mm-hmm. Cur- where uh, Powers Booth, Curly Bell, um, and Wyatt Earp have that confrontation, he's the one at the edge of the river who kind yeah. of witnesses everything and okay, goes, yeah. "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, it's just like you look around; it's like star after star after star. Terry O'Quinn, who uh, eventually ma- was kind of he was kind of a character actor at the time, but he makes it big in Lost. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just like they they even got Wyatt Earp's actual uh, fourth or fifth cousin uh-huh. in the movie to play one of the Claibornes, and it's and it's like man, you have a bunch of these big stars, but a bunch of these little detail actors like Harry Carey Jr. and uh, Robert Mitchum and Charlton Heston, guys who had been known for playing in westerns before too. So you're kind of calling back. Uh, to that era a little yeah. bit. It's just, it's an yeah. all-star And team. Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 and I, I, and I, I, those two guys, yeah. like Sam Elliott <laughs> yeah, and Bill Paxton. Sorry, yeah. I forget them. Yeah. Um, but, like, you don't see movies like that where who, it's like, who is really the support, like, almost everyone's, like, almost a supporting character yeah. to everyone else. Like, and, and most of that movie, most of those actors in there, you're sitting there going, like, boy, I wonder what happens to that guy. Yeah. And I wonder what happens to that person. And what's the story arc with over here? Like, there's not a character, 
like you said, you could easily turn it into a television series mm-hmm. and people would be hooked because they'd be following around all these characters. And the performances were so good that you just wanted to see more all the time. Yeah. And I think that the introduction of Kurt Russell's character, played obviously play, uh, playing Wyatt Earp, is such a great introduction. There's a lot of really good character introductions in this movie, particularly mm-hmm. Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, because, I mean, you get that great shot of the train coming in and it's just his boots and then you like pan up and it's Kurt Russell and you're just like oh my god this guy is just he's just the man well but then you have the line before that with Michael Bean still at the party with the rest of the cowboys where uh, you know uh, behold the pale horse the man who sits upon him is death and hell followed with him and then it cuts right to Kurt Russell's boots getting off mm-hmm. the train you're like oh yeah. okay and they even call back to it later but he's like you tell yeah, him I'm, I'm coming, coming and hell's coming oh. with me oh. I, I love love Kurt Russell just in general just a really great actor and yeah. he has so much power in this movie mm-hmm. he like just when he stands and he just looks like when he's looking off to the side on the train you're just like oh my god this guy he means business and he is just like every line he says you just you're so you're just so in you just mm-hmm. believe him and you're always on his side and he has such a great arc throughout it. and like kind of like you said that like they blur the lines a little bit of like who's kind of the good guy and who's the bad guy and you know the morals of this whole story mm-hmm. of you know you know famously seen as like the american west is like this lack of moral um yeah. like area and you know he's got you know his two brothers sam elliott and bill paxton and they you know they just come together and they they he's done with you know being a sheriff and that's kind of the one of the themes i like in this movie or the big theme i would say is that you know he comes to he goes to tombstone looking for a new life after he's done um you know being a sheriff mm-hmm. in the law and he wants to try and make his fortune and he's trying to get this life that he like always wanted that like he's looking for something but everything just kind of keeps getting in the way of that and there's like that you know that perfect picture moment when they're all him Sam Elliott you know Dana Wheeler Dana Wheeler Nicholson they're all looking in the in the window and they're just like ah oh, look at this perfect great, yeah. perfect moment you know and it's not going to be that same way you know really again right. really ever from yeah. that point on <laughs> uh is is it going to be perfect my favorite part where you knew that Wyatt Earp wasn't necessarily you know the clean squeaky clean person like other than like that quick scene with the guy and the horse yeah um was his interaction with billy bob thornton oh man and he God, just that's such a great scene he just changes where billy bob thornton's character kind of goes like i'm real scared and you see it in his eyes first like they almost narrow uh-huh and he's like yeah you're scared yeah. i can see that in your eyes yeah and then you go Whoa. Who is this guy? Yeah. It's like just, it also like seeing Billy Bob Thornton, like he's like, he's fat and he's got this beard, but you yeah. know the voice. And you just hear him, mm-hmm. you're like, you know, I told you to like the goddamn time to stop putting, like, <laughs> put that cigar <laughs> in my face. <laughs> or like, yeah. And then Kurt Russell's like, you know, I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to yeah. work. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I said, throw down, boy. Like, I'm, I'm almost like going into Christian Bale. Yeah. Like, well, trying to do a Kurt Russell yeah. impersonation. But... You're going to do something, you're going to stand there and bleed. Yeah. Yeah, God. Yeah. All right, youngster, out you go. You know. And I know, I know we were talking about this before, but like, God, like, how many good quotes are in this movie? It's like oh, print, print the script. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like the entire script is quotable and quoted all the time. Well, that's another really great thing about you know westerns in general is people speak you know in paragraphs, which could be said you know just in four words now, mm-hmm. but like 
it's so good to hear the colloquialisms and just like the the overall attitude. You know, it's like with this Western Southern accent kind of thing. There's also this like this um this feeling of power and like I'm gonna put you in your place. Yeah, like, that like and that just adds to you. Just like oh, you yeah, know? I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah. Like that's all you need to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's or, or just um, I, Powers Booth again. Just two words. Well. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like oh, he uh-huh. said. You you just told me you're done and it's over. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> We're still gonna come after you. Yeah. You know. S- spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> let's just uh, let's also have this conversation. We got to get into. Oh sure. Uh, the I personally think should have been nominated for an Oscar performance by Val Kilmer oh, as yeah. Doc Holliday. One of my. I honestly, I mean it when I say one of my all-time favorite performances. A performance that gets better more times you watch it. Um, almost like the grounded mm-hmm. performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's going for it in a different way. He's really putting on the kind of like, um, you know, sly Southern aristocratic charm. Mm-hmm. Whereas everyone else is trying to one-up everyone with testosterone. He's very much like this kind of methodical, but very, you know, he isn't like, he, he kind of like knows through the entire movie that he's on his way out. Yeah. You know, because I mean, he's got tuberculosis and another great introduction where they have that like they're playing poker mm-hmm. and it just kind of pans up and he's yeah. just, you just see him. Like, I, and I always wish, I was like, I wish Val Kilmer was like con- continued on to be as big as he could have been. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and he had some, he had some big, big roles in the mm-hmm. 80s. Um, and we were talking about that earlier with, with Top Gun, you know, Iceman and um, Real Genius, and you know, he had a good body of work. And he, I think, he was just coming off of uh, The Doors. I think he had. Played, was that before or after? I think Maybe. it was before. That was a big movie for sure. Um, and obviously, yeah, and like Batman Forever. I just wish it, like, I wish he kept going. Yeah. He, he has just such a great ability to like play someone who you just like instantly feel for, and like. He's someone that like you don't I like I don't really know anyone like Doc Holliday, but it's mm-hmm. someone that I like I wish I knew who he like who he was. Well and, and I think what he ran into in regard to a nomination was the other wider movie. Oh, it yeah. actually came out a few months after because uh-huh. Kevin Jari uh kind of got his act together a little bit, teams up with Kevin Cosner, and they also put together a wider movie which came out like not that long uh-huh. after Tombstone was released, I want to say about six months or so. Yeah. Um, and have Dennis, you seen, have you seen that one? I have. Have you seen that one? No. What'd you think of it? Um, I've heard it's well, really after, long. At, it's like three forty. It it's really long. The performances are. Eh. Yeah. Um, you know, you see, I I actually. I actually felt bad for Dennis Quaid because Dennis Quaid is Doc Holliday in that yeah. movie. And it's like, how do you follow it? Like, how do you follow yeah, Exactly. You You're just living in that shadow for that performance. I mean, I, maybe during the time of filming, I mean, obviously he probably didn't know, but right. like, it's, yeah. And like, I don't they do a lot with like early, like um, Wyatt Earp too? Yeah. Whole, like, you kind of follow him around 20s, Colorado yeah. and stuff. And I, it's a little bit of like that prequel story, whereas Tombstone, I think, hit it right on the head you know who Wyatt Earp is yeah you don't need to follow him around Dodge City he's already been there done that he's trying to get away he's taking the kind of if you're doing the hero's journey he's the reluctant hero yeah like he wants nothing to do with that lifestyle anymore and you're 
picking up from there. And even if you don't like fully know who Wyatt Earp is per se, you kind of you get the idea that when Kurt Russell comes on stage, okay, this guy's you know the hero, and you know he. He has that attitude, and when he hits the, you know, the guy with the horse, you know, hurts, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I get, you know, I kind of understand, you know, where this guy's coming from, and then you get the story, like, oh, this guy's Wyatt Earp. You know, when he goes to the bar, he's like, mm-hmm. my name's Wyatt Earp, and the bartender's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, you can get, you get like, even just like ideas of the past, just right off the bat. I mean, you don't really need this whole backstory of what he did before. Just those little like he, you know, he has a reputation. Yeah. Well, like. Uh post the scene with Billy Bob Thornton where Billy Bob Thornton as Johnny Tyler comes out and you're reintroduced to Doc Holliday as he arrives to Tombstone and he goes Wyatt I'm rolling yeah and Billy Bob's character kind of goes wait Wyatt like Wyatt Earp and you you see the light bulb go off in his head like oh crud like Doc Holliday just got me out of a whole yeah. lot of trouble, yeah. way more than I thought. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Johnny. I didn't notice you were there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you may go now. <laughs> and and Billy Bob, like the the best part is like you know Kurt Russell makes him leave the shotgun on the ground like he's like a five year old. Like mm-hmm. no, no, you're not handing it to me. You're putting it on the ground. And Billy Bob just tips his cap and he goes, "Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day." There is a really funny unintentional comedy moment when Billy Bob leaves the bar and he's running with the shotgun. His like shoulders are all the way up. Oh he's yeah, just like, I'm gonna fucking take it. Yeah. You know, you're like it's like it's like when Elmer Fudd like goes. To, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we know it's not gonna go. Like you're, there's no way this kid is gonna end well. No, but he's just like I'm gonna get that son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna show him and I'm gonna get my Pharaoh game back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, that's so like that, that's what they go uh, to Tombstone for. They set up a Pharaoh game in one of the bars and. Uh, you can kind of tell that like when when they set up that first game after the theater scene which is kind of an interesting scene when they go to see like the play and we're introduced to Billy Zane and Dana mm. Wheeler Nicholson or um, to Dana Delaney, Delaney two Delaney. two yeah. people named Dana in this yeah. movie um and the we can get into the romantic story in in just a minute but um you know, he goes to that theater scene, which I kind of enjoyed. I know a lot of people like may not like it's a little. It is a little long, but I think it's mm-hmm. kind of. I, I mean, it's like it was for the part of like where they're just shooting guns off into the air for things that they liked. <laughs> the, the idea of some people, for whatever they liked, would shoot guns off yeah. in excitement. Well, it, it made me not want to be in the balcony seats. Where oh like, yeah, why? absolutely. It's like uh, that's that's not good. Like yeah. if they're shooting up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn, the Wild West. Um, but, like, it, kind of, like, continuing the idea of, like, you know, afterwards they go to the bar, mm-hmm. and you get inklings that, you know, Dana Wheeler-Nicholson and Kurt Russell, their relationship is kind of, you it's know... Rocky. It's, it's yeah. rocky. It's rocky, because, you know, she's she's taking, like, this opium stuff, and mm-hmm. she, and he's saying, like, you know, I, I'm going to stay out. I was like, no, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come with you. And she's like, no, it's okay. You can yeah. go. And it's like... Like, is this supposed to be like you're supposed to think it's Rocky? Like, I'm like, it's it, it's kind of like it, it's, it happens so fast, it's kind of thing. But it but it lays the groundwork. Right. It goes, oh, something's a little off here, and then they go into having the discussion about Dana Delaney's character and the actress, and uh, you know, oh, like, are you really married now? Yeah. Or, you know, and the classic Val Kilmer line, you know, I, I take it back, Wyatt, you're an oak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What an enchanted moment. Yeah. <laughs> in that bar scene is um like that just kind of reaffirms the idea of like how great a pair uh Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell are. They like not only are they good performances just on their own, mm-hmm. they work really well like off of each other. It, yeah, it made it made you wonder why they didn't make more movies together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the only one. As far as I as far as I know, yeah. yeah. But yeah, definitely like they could have been like I mean this is like you know their western team up they could have done like i mean like imagine like a cop movie with both of them or something like you yeah. you'd feel like that would be the next logical step in you know mm-hmm. 94 or whatever well i i don't know kurt, kurt russell might have been like oh wait i did tango and cash yeah. with stallone already i don't know if i can <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that that scene also sets up a little bit of the potential conflict with the love triangle between dana delaney's character um, Kurt Russell's character and uh, John Tenney's character, uh, Sheriff Behan, and how Behan's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to be like the rock star. Like, I'm the one who's going to be running this town someday. And Wyatt Earp walks in, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Here comes a, here comes a challenge. Um, of course, the Cowboys, it kind of lends to more introduction between the Cowboys and Wyatt and Doc as well with the Farrell game um, with uh, Ike Clanton uh, going, you know, law don't run around here, savvy. And he says it like about five times. And Kurt Russell's finally like, yeah, I get it. Here, look, you win $200. I'm retired. What more do you want? Yeah. Uh, That kind of is like, it kind of shows that he's almost out of his element a little bit because he's like, he almost seems like he's just kind of going through the motions with this Farrell card game. uh, And this is where when I started to notice that like kind of the the sides are uh, are kind of you know uh, muddled a little bit like when Powers Booth like comes in it's fairly well known of like his cowboy nature mm-hmm. but, like everyone stops to watch and obviously we get that great scene of um, you know the gun twirling and the and cup then, yeah, yeah. And the, and yeah Val Kilmer does the cup which is so funny still it's probably like my favorite scene in the movie mm-hmm. um but then, you know, he wins and he goes and goes, drinks on me, you know, and then he just goes back and like kind of, you know, does his business where it's like, I feel like like we would know about like his, you know, history of just killing people. Like, where did the wedding take place? Yeah. Like, just in the next town over or something like that? Like, And, and it could have been. And that, that also lends to the time period and the speed that news traveled I yeah mean, if something like that happened today like someone would have twittered it and he shows up in the well, next yeah. town and, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, that's it mm-hmm. but uh, he has that reputation people know his reputation they know he's <clears throat> one of the cowboys and they know he's basically the leader so yeah. there are some people who aren't going to touch him because it's that wild free era on the flip side you have uh the erps who really if you go on the historical end of things you go back to look at it and it's you know they're not that much better yeah you know they're doing uh feral games they're 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 running you know prostitution dens and things like that just like the cowboys are it just happens they all meet in tombstone and and the clash happens and the erps eventually get into law enforcement um so there is that conflict there but both are kind of you know curly bell's known as being a, a killer but at the same time everyone looks around they're like well isn't everybody yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's kind of the time I mean, even like there's that scene before you know the billy bob thornton scene where you know two guys are having a shootout and the sheriff just comes over and he just takes their guns and he's like oh but like you know it was a fair fight he's like i don't care i have to take them to court and he's like just takes their guns and like everything just seems you know kind of fine 
fine. Yep. It's just like everyone just goes on with their day and like, you know, it's and even then there's like that whole section, you know, after um when Sam Elliott and uh Bill Paxton try and put up like some gun reform mm-hmm. uh motion, which at that point that's kinda like oh, that's kind of a little bit more relevant than yeah. I remembered this movie being. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even saying you can't own a gun. Yeah. You just can't bring guns into town. Uh, and everyone's and the whole like, place, no, no. <laughs> can't take my guns. It's like, oh my God, I didn't rem- I don't even yeah. remember that part. And even like Kurt Russell's like, you know, you're getting involved in this. You're making a big mistake and you know Bill Paxton like we got involved the moment we got here. It's like yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, there there's no turning back. Yeah. Um Let's talk about. Uh, I think we should just. I think we should get into the romance between uh, Dana Delaney, whose whose name, uh, whose character's name is uh, Josephine. I think is yeah, Josephine Marcus. Josephine Marcus with Wyatt Earp. Um, it's because it's the one aspect of the movie that I, or I think maybe a lot of people are kind of like, eh, on. And I'm definitely not against like a romance plot in a western setting. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where I feel like they only touch upon it a few times. So like they meet there's obviously like some traction because there's that you know there's that shot in the bar where she's looking and smiling and you know he mm. like Kurt Russell just kind of looks up at her and then the next scene happens and then the scene where they go on their horses and after they've chased each other they're clearly in the most like romantic setting possible and you know in the old west you know uh, mountains of under Arizona the trees. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with you know with like red flowers everywhere and she's like what do you want out of life you know and are you happy it's a great line where Kurt Russell is like well I don't laugh all day like an idiot, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel attacked. Um, uh, it, it, but it's like it's I, it's very on the nose. I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily have to be, but I feel like there's that scene, and then there's this long break, mm-hmm. and then you know he yells at her after his brother gets shot, mm-hmm. and then you know there's the one scene of issue with Dana Wheeler Nicholson where she's you know got the drug problem. And then it's not really brought up again until a little bit later. Yeah, that's where the director's cut kind of adds a little bit more to that. Uh-huh. Uh, they add in another kind of couple more lines in the in that confrontation um, between Kurt Russell and or uh, Wyatt Earp and his and his wife, and they kind of go into it a little bit more. And she makes him promise not to see her again. Uh-huh. And it's like, boy, if that 20 seconds was in the original cut, that whole... Yeah, because you're right. It kind of comes up quick. Like, all of a sudden, it's like she runs out, and he's like, no, I told you to get away from me. Yeah. You know, it makes more sense when you see that scene. And she goes, you know, promise me you'll never see her again, and you'll denounce... Like, basically denounce her in public, and you not hang out with her anymore. And it's like, oh, then that happens. It's like, oh, okay. But you're right. It kind of... It kind of pulls like a little bit of like, well, one thing led to another and yeah. oh, now we're hanging out with Charlton Heston. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, even at the end, like we have that narration uh, again where, you know, they during Christmas time, you know, they meet up and they dance. And as that was happening, I was like, what happened to like, is this whole, you know, like he put his family on the train and then, you know, cut forward Doc to Doc mm-hmm. Holiday in the hospital bed. And then in, you know, when it's snowing and then we get that narration of like, you know, Maddie died of a drug overdose. And yeah. It's like, is that really, you're going to cover it up that way? Like, okay. Well, like, but that really happened though well, too. No, I'm like, not saying, like, town, but, yeah, but like yeah. it, it seems like it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're, like they filmed it and they're like, yeah. And then they're like. Oh no! Wait, no. <laughs> how, how do how do we explain that the wife's not there anymore? Yeah. Um, hmm. 
I know. <laughs> we got Richard Burton for two days. Let's get him in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was like a lot of other subplots that they just left on the floor. Like Val Kilmer came back to life and was yeah. a ghost and friend of Wyatt Earp <laughs> until the day he died in yeah. 1927. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wyatt Earp's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna take a quick break in the conversation to talk about Dingles and Donuts, Orion Valley Productions' very own real play D and D podcast. We are less than two weeks away from the release of our brand new miniseries coming out on September 6th. Anywhere you get your podcast, Casey Clark has created his very own D&D campaign entitled Ravnica Avengers. You'll hear familiar Dingles and Donuts voices such as Sullivan Harris, Casey Clark, and Chris Rowe, plus some new others and a whole new cast of characters that I know you guys are just going to enjoy. So be on the lookout September 6th for Dingles and Donuts Presents Ravnica Avengers. One one of the issues that I do have with the movie, it's a minor issue, was part of the ending with that last little narration. Like, and then Wyatt Earp died, and all these movie stars came to see him, and Tom Mix wept. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh-huh. Yeah, so. And <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, nothing? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's kind of like, it, it just seems, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I feel like at that point, you know, 1993, there's probably at that point only a very certain number of people who knew who Tom Mix was. Right. And also, like, why is that the final, you know, why is that the button? Yeah. Like, why can't it be, you know, like, they not even like they lived happily ever after, but something more relevant to the story? Like, I, I don't think that, that that's just like a fact that they threw in. Right. And, like, you're going to end the movie that way? I mean, they kind of make up for it for the fact that the credits are just 10 minutes of them walking through the town. Yeah. But, like, re- like how is that really... It, I feel like you want, like, a final line to be something that really, um, like, kind of, like, encapsulates the movie. And I and I'm, I don't mind necessarily a wrap-up, per right. se, of, like, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. Because, I mean, we do that all the time now, just sure. the title cards. Sure. But, like... That seemed that's almost kind of comedic, you know, in yeah. some way when you think about it. Added like paired with the freeze frame of yeah. them dancing, it's like it almost just seems like like it's just a, what? It's like a, yeah, you could, you could just say like, oh, they lived out the rest of their days, and uh-huh. you know, he never touched a gun again. It's yeah, not true, but yeah, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it probably has the same yeah. effect. But um, I will say the ending with uh, Val Kilmer and Wyatt Earp, where Doc Holliday. Uh, finally succumbs to his tuberculosis. That was a really powerful. Scene. Oh, it's amazing! It's still and it still is like it still works. Like like I said, just watched it again last night, and it's like man, I you feel the relationship, that friendship throughout the entire movie, and we'll get into like kind of the uh, overall adventure of it in just mm-hmm. a second. But like you instantly believe that they're friends yeah and they're great friends yeah and because I mean Doc Holliday has that great line where he's like you know Wyatt Earp is my friend I got lots of friends I don't yeah you know really really great line it's clear that like that they only have each other really yeah. I mean Wyatt Earp sure has a family but like in this moment but for this Do- story Doc's it's just them. all <clears throat> yeah yeah. He's, he's got the Earps and Wyatt specifically, and that's pretty much it. Like mm-hmm. Virgil and Morgan, yeah, they're there, but they're more along for the ride because they're Wyatt's brothers. Yeah, exactly. And they like kind of just get involved almost like by association. Um, but like even like we know that that scene is coming. And mm-hmm. I actually, I for some reason, I thought it happened 
a little bit earlier because I mean there's that scene where he falls off the horse mm-hmm. and I was like is he gonna die now like it's like because there's that one bed scene and he's like you gotta go get him and he like pins the thing on his chest yep. I totally forgot about the part when Doc Holliday comes back and actually shoots oh. Johnny Ringo oh that's which my, is such that's great, my favorite that's part fa- that's where a good he just comes part. like slowly stalking through the woods and Michael Bean's like well I didn't think you had it in you. And he's totally expecting Wyatt Earp to show up. And you just hear that wonderful phrase, I'm here, Huckleberry. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and the, the shot of uh, just the hat had been covering his face. And he just tilts up and he's smoking that cigarette. It's like, oh, Johnny Ringo's done. Yeah, Johnny Ringo is done. But great foreshadowing throughout. Because, I mean, but we should talk about like that kind of story of it because um, – you know, we get into like there's the clear divide between the cowboys and the uh, and the Earp and the mm. Earp clan, and um, you know after you know Powers Booth goes and kills the 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 sheriff, there's kind of this like unjust in the town, and it needs to be corrected, and that leads to obviously like everyone kind of like that whole group being against the Earps, and like mm. and it's clear these like this big call to action that he doesn't want. This isn't the life that he, you know, wanted or thought he was going to have going forward when moving to Tombstone. And it, mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like he has some form of, I don't want to say guilt, but like he brought well, it with him. But like, there, there's that wonderful line. You're And you're right. Like there's a, uh, right at the beginning when we're introduced to Wyatt Earp, those two sheriffs or those two town mayors kind of come up to him and they're trying to get him to be in law enforcement again. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm here to make my money. I'm going to Tombstone. I'm making my money. I'm getting out of here. I'm done. Yeah. And I, he says the line, you know, I already got a guilty conscience. I might as well have the money too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a great line. And it just sets you up for, of course, what comes later when they do get the money and then he gets an even more guilty conscience for not, yeah. you know, jumping in earlier. And it just kind of like continues to like, you know, go downhill because I mean like, after Powers Booth gets put in, um, I guess he gets put in jail, but like mm-hmm. he kind of disappears for a little bit mm-hmm. in the movie when you think about it. But you know, there's the great, obviously the famous scene of the shootout of OK Corral, mm-hmm. which is just great, you know. And you know, the fact that Doc Holliday even comes back and he's like, "It's not your fight, Doc," and it's and he yeah. even like just still keeps going. And like Val Kilmer, he's like he's so pale and he's sweating through the whole movie, and he's got his like little like. Uh, like he's got the little holster and the little kind of cape jacket yeah yeah and dust the duster yeah yeah and like i guess like you know Stephen lang is kind of like the guy who i want to say like instigated the whole thing for say like him and johnny ringo because like they're just nuts Uh they're insane Mm -hmm. in this movie um and like you know because there's that scene in the bar when sam elliott tries to like you know like get into that little tussle and then obviously it's like this will not like this isn't over Mm -hmm. and then there's that you know the the whole big thing where like you know they come in and they shoot like try and almost kill you know the the family of Wyatt Earp and like his sister and it's just like it's it's escalating so fast you yeah know? it's like it you just can't like it's so gripping like yeah. yeah and and you you even see like what I you even see little hints of the turn for um oh what's the character the McMaster's character from the Cowboys uh-huh. um where even at the beginning, he kind of looks at that early shootout and goes, eh, I'm not so sure about this. Yeah. But then is, that gets, Mike, is that Michael Rooker? Yeah, Michael yeah. Rooker's character. Where, uh, And then the the Cowboys attack the Earp family and almost kill him and you know, beat up Virgil and kill Morgan. And all of a sudden, 
you see him kind of come back around and be like, yeah, no, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. I am out of here. You yeah, know, this yeah. Is good. This totally is done. Good. Although it is great to see, you know, later on when he comes back and is like, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter if he's my brother. Yeah. We're on your side. You know, yeah. you need us. That That's really great. Because like, you know, he goes through hell and like, let's talk about the OK Corral scene. Mm-hmm. It's out of control. It's yeah. amazing. It's like so well choreographed and it's so well paced and timed. You say it's like just like it was mm-hmm. like it's such a good shootout to me because it's like it takes this idea that we have of the traditional western shootout of like one guy over here and one guy over here they each have the same gun yeah and it's like if you think about it logistically it seems as though they're like on the same level but right. they're definitely but they're not, not. Yeah. there's no way they are they don't have you know uh, Curly Bell they they only have they have Stephen Lang they have Johnny Ringo and they have all these other you know like yeah Thomas Lang. Hayden Church is Thomas Billy Thomas Hayden Church is in there that's a good uh, kind of backtracking a little bit when he's playing the piano and he's like it's a <laughs> uh, who does that Thomas fu- uh, fucking Chopin yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Frederick Frederick yeah. Chopin yeah. that <laughs> actually I will say this uh, to, Tombstone got me into listening to classical a little bit because of that scene because oh, really? that was such a cool interaction a great, great scene um, yeah. and then later on uh, they both have that interaction where they're outside and Doc Holliday comes out to help out Wyatt and Thomas Hayden Church is like ah you know you're the drunk piano player in fact you're probably so drunk you're probably seeing double and he just goes I got two guns one for each of you <laughs> <laughs> ah. I, it's like I wish I always had a line for situations yeah. like that. It's like, how the fuck do you think of things like that? That's brilliant. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. And he keeps his cool. Yeah. Val Kilmer keeps his cool through this entire movie. Yeah. Um, oh, but back to the gunfight. Yeah, back to the, back yeah. to the gunfight. Um, but it, like, you think they're on, you would think that they're on level playing fields, but like, you know that the Earps are so much more skilled than they are. Yeah. Like, and just like, just in general, it's like they're going to win. But even so, you know, um, I thought that Bill Paxton was going to die in that scene because, like, he gets shot, like, in the side. But mm-hmm. he actually gets, like, shot in the arm. But you're like, is he is he dead? Like, is he gone? And, like, um, you know, uh, Verge gets shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, they all still, like, they're so close. And they, like, kill, like, three of the guys so quickly. Like, Thomas Hayden Church just gets yeah, riddled he's, with he's, bullets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just completely done, you know. Like Steve- Sonny Corleone on a causeway. Yeah. He's just done. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Poor Sonny. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Lang. And, it, like, total, like, great character moment when he does dive through the window. And it's like, yeah. you're such a fucking coward. And he's constantly just running away. And he's he's almost like the Lee Marvin character of yeah. this movie when you think about it. He even kind of looks like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It just goes and goes and goes, but it's like, I like you keep wanting to know what happens. Like, is he gonna get Stephen Lang? Like, is he like he's like right there? Like, get him! Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then at the end, you're like, oh man, he takes off the sash and lets it go. And yeah. It's like, oh man, so close and yet yeah, so far. But we get like but, one, arguably the best line in the movie, and it's like, I got you right here. You're a daisy if you do, you know, mm-hmm. which is an actual thing that Doc Holliday said like, yeah. at that moment. Uh, yeah, just fantastic. And the fact, again, that's really, really great. The fact that it's literally like that's the midway point of the movie. Mm-hmm. You still got another hour to go, and you don't know what's coming next. Like, yeah. what, where could you possibly go from that? Everyone knows that story. Okay, it's that's the ending. Yeah. But like, what what happens next? So much more. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more. Yeah. yeah. And then they go on. You know, like 
um, you know, Verge like loses his arm, and Morgan gets shot in the back, and like a kind of a very I I I can't lie, I was laughing a little bit when like he gets shot, and like it's this like frame by frame slow motion of him kind of falling on and the pool table, and he's kind of slowly trying to pull the gun up, and he's like, yeah. ah, no, no, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, and I mean it's still like I mean when. When Kurt Russell's trying to revive him, and he's and he's like, "Someone get that damn dog out of here!" Yeah. and like, you know, goes out in the rain and is just kind of yelling. It's like, I feel really bad for you, and this really does suck. But like, oh man, it's so over the top. But it's yeah. like, but that's kind of one of the things that I really love about this movie, and the fact that it definitely feels like, and not in a bad way, mm-hmm. it feels like it was made in the nineties. Yeah, it feels like. You know, it's this big grand adventure. The mm-hmm. adventure is at the center of the movie. But there's that charm of it where they're trying to do this romance and the fact that everyone in this movie is literally insane. The yep. fact that everyone is just going for it, like to a, a whole other level. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that in and of itself and it's still like it's not like someone could see it and be like it's so bad that it's good no it's actually still a really good movie like, yeah yeah it, yeah you'd think oh they're all going with this like over the top acting and what you know what's gonna happen and then with everyone all jumping in going yeah we're all in we're all on board with this yeah let's let's do this it and and it does like it it kind of lends itself to not just the genre itself of of the typical western genre but it it does lend itself to those like 90s movies that kind of had some of the over the top like you're going on a ride yeah, basically it is definitely a ride and even more so a ride that continues when they go on the spree of trying to get you know curly bell and like that whole montage of you know he's going on his quest for vengeance after he you know kind of that twist where he puts his family on the train you think he's going to leave you get the famous lines like well yeah. Bye. You yeah. Know? And you think like, oh man, what's gonna happen? Is like, why it gonna go back? And then like, because at that moment you kind of think like, okay, why it's gonna go home? And you know he's gonna get this like letter two weeks later. It's like we need you to come back. And like he comes back in the you know the great grandiose moment. But like, nope, it just you know, yeah. lies to the audience and is like, uh, no, you're gonna tell like he beats Stephen Lang. He's like, you tell him I'm coming. And it's like just such a great moment. Like, yes, yeah. this is the turn. And then that even is like kind of this big thing for the character is that. You see him. This is getting to him. This mm-hmm. is like he's turning crazy. Like yeah. literally, it's like really getting to him psychologically. The fact that his brother died, and he wasn't able to save him, and almost that again, guilty conscience. He yeah. felt that, and he's the only one who can fix it, and he knows the way to fix it. And it's just that's kind of the crazy psychological nature of the old west. And well, and and another great Val Kilmer line too. After the big river fight, um, the the cowboy or the guys with wide herp are kind of talking he's like you ever see anything like that before man you know if it were my brothers i'd want revenge too and val kilmer just comes back with like oh no don't make a mistake it's not revenge he's after it's a reckoning yeah. mm-hmm. which you know goes back to his guilt goes back to his pain like man i could have cleaned up this town yeah the first time i set foot one here and we would have been okay maybe been okay you never yeah. know but just that guilty conscience of man I should have done something way way sooner nothing like a scene of someone looking at a body of water to make you know that that they feel guilty yes 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 (laughs) but that water scene is really really great and just so crazy of just how like you know 
Val Kil- or um, Kurt Russell's just like no, and then he just starts walking into the water. And it, it, at that point, it's kind of like it. Everyone in this movie, are, they're just horrible yeah. shots. They're like he's like he's literally he's right there, yeah. and no one could get him. It's like you know, it's like worse than like stormtroopers yes. or something like that. <laughs> um, but another great you know kind of powerful moment, but also again, I won't lie, is pretty funny. Is when uh, Powers Booth comes out. And Kurt Russell just goes, no, in yeah. slow motion. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I live for that. It's so, so great. And and apparently, again, according to the accounts, fairly historically accurate. Mm-hmm. They actually had that gunfight where he came out and missed a couple of times. Now, I, I will grant you, in the movie, it looks like he's like as far away me as you are right now so it's like yeah, yeah we, like 10 feet yeah that's a ter- that's for being like this big mythical uh you know gunfighter like that's a pretty bad shot yeah but <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it's it just what a great moment where it ends and i like how uh wider will take care of curly bell mm-hmm. but he knows he can't take care of Johnny Ringo. Mm-mm. Like he doesn't have that in him. Like Ringo's got that just little spark that's different, but Doc Holliday has that counter. Yeah. Did you did you know? Did you expect Val Kilmer to come back and take, no. like go with Johnny Ringo? Yeah. No. No. Not not the first time seeing it. Uh-huh. Of course. Now it's yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, not the first time seeing it. It's like. Oh man, because like you, I thought like, man, he's he's dying. This is it. He says goodbye, and Wyatt Earp's kind of going off to, you know, maybe meet Johnny Ringo. And how's this going to go down? Yeah, there is that great line where he's like, you know, first time it was personal. This time, it's legal. legal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking like it'd be funny if that was like kind of like if you could do a sketch of just Wyatt Earp having like this like little bag full of fake. Uh, the sheriff medallions just gives oh. them out to everybody. By, by the end, it was almost like an Oprah episode. It was yeah. like, and you get to be the sheriff, yeah. and you get to be the marshal, and you're deputized, and yeah. you, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but no, great, yeah, great kind of turn, and the fact that they foreshadow that so much, you know, when he, even in, you know, he does the cup twirl, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of showing like, you know, they're both super fast. We all know that Doc Holliday's, you know, the, literally the fastest gun in the West, and Johnny Ringo's got nothing on him, mm-hmm. though he's pretty fast. Because, I mean, that whole thing about the that's funny about the cup thing is that Doc Holliday is like, you you think you're so big, then you're not. Yeah. You're just not. And I'm I'm not going to grant you the permission of showing you. I just know that I'm better. Yeah. And um and then later, you know, after the OK Corral, when he's like, you know, when he says, you know, I'm your Huckleberry, he comes out and he's got the gun behind him. But he, it, Val Kilmer, like Doc Holliday has so much more power in mm-hmm. that scene. And it's so clear. It's like, you don't stand a chance. And, of course, Johnny Ringo is going to still try and go after. He's like, no way. I'm yeah. totally going to win. And they circle around each other. And it's like, oh, man, like, come on. Just, you just get him. Just get him. You're yeah. right there. And it's like it well, faster than anybody gets him. And, and again, another great – all of Val Kilmer's lines in this yeah, movie are pretty unreal. much unreal. Just that say win. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. You just – you let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, that, that another thing that like I was thinking that kind of ended a little bit quickly is like that scene is great, and then like thirty seconds later they get Stephen Lang, mm-hmm. and then it's and it's kind of done. And it, it it just seems like it could be like you have so many moments like that. And again, it's a movie, and you kind of need to like cut it down a little bit. Um, 
but I like I just wanted like that like big is that like the big grandiose ending is the Johnny Ringo like we're supposed to be like okay we're, yeah. we're good like we're done and then the I guess it would have I guess in terms of like pacing or whatever they could have gotten Stephen Lang beforehand and then the Johnny Ringo mm. and then it's and then it'd be it feels a little wonky just watching it last night I just felt like okay they're still getting Stephen Lang oh and then it's done okay yeah. then it's then it's done. yeah okay it that was like it's just a little thing but like and they do that that nice slow mo. We're riding on our horses. We're gonna shake hands. Like, yeah, good job. Yeah, good job. we got. It. Okay. He looks away and he's just like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and now I have fallen off my horse. Oh, crap. Um, yeah. Uh, I and the again, you know, there's the Doc Holiday scene at the end is just so it's so sweet and the fact that he gives in the book, you know, the life and mm. the the life of Wyatt Earp and. Uh, uh, he has that great line. It's like, well, Doc, you know, thanks for always being there. It's yeah. like, oh, man. God, it's like, again, so believable in this movie just filled with um, something like just over the top. I know I keep saying that, but like that is such a human moment. You're like, I believe yeah. that every step of the way. Yeah. And in that little moment after uh, Wyatt leaves and Doc looks down at his feet, mm-hmm. he goes, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'll and then be he pa- passes away because cowboys. The old phrase, you know, they died with their boots on. Yeah. is kind of an old west phrase. Gunslingers died in the street. You know, yeah. it was like the blaze of glory. And here is Doc Holliday passing away in the in the hospital. Yeah, you know, and that's like true to life again because that was his final. Those were his actual final words. Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact they keep calling him a lunger throughout this movie. Like, yeah. just a stinky, sweaty lunger. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Having TV really is just, like, just awful. Just yeah. awful to watch. And, and then, like, every time he's just like, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And wow. your, yeah. Your, your point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your point? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or uh, Frank Stallone, the, when you're first introduced to Wyatt, Frank Stallone is the one who gets knifed at the beginning mm. um, when they're playing cards. And... He just kind of, you know, he's like, well, without those guns, you're nothing. And then he draws the guns. Yeah. He's like, oh, I thought we were friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we be now, friends now? Now we can be friends again. <laughs> um, so one thing that I really loved on this rewatch um, is that I was thinking to myself as it was unfolding, because, I mean, the setup of this movie is kind of a standard, you know, Western setup per mm-hmm. se in that, like, <clears throat> you know, there's like the big, the they're all kind of the, the tough guys setting up the town, the setting, and it's like okay, there's going to be trouble. Yep. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, is this one of those movies where it's more so about the adventure? <clears throat> there isn't necessarily like a clear message or takeaway. But as the movie was going on, I started to kind of think about like, sure, the adventure is at the core of it, but I was kind of thinking about how this idea of like you know reputation because mm-hmm. like. Wyatt Earp has more reputation than anyone in the Old West at this particular point and how like that in and of itself whether you want it or not or it's inadvertently caused by you can lead you down some dark paths sure and just the fact that again you know word travels fast and we're not really you're not really sure where you know how things are going to end up for you because like he has this idea he wants this life um, and he ends up, you know, going down this again the same path that he did before, all because of how you know everyone knows about him, and mm. because he comes to this town and that stirs up trouble. And I was like, oh, I never really, I, 
yeah, I guess there really is a message in in that like yeah. a theme. And and the idea of friendship too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and uh loyalty. You know, a guy with Wyatt Earp's reputation befriending a well known killer and gunslinger. You know, it wasn't yeah. like Doc Holliday was sunshine and rainbows and the nicest guy. Like his opening scene, like he almost he knifes the guy and then he walks out with like one of my favorite things is like he's picking up the money as he's walking out the door from like everything else <laughs> <laughs> and he's just stuffing it in the bag and he's like all right yeah. we're gonna get going i guess that's enough of this town like mm-hmm. you know so here you have like the guy who's known for or has that reputation of law and order and yeah. you know the great lawman and uh, and then the other, you know, his friend who's just the gunslinger and gambler yeah. and how they come together and, uh, you know, keep that friendship throughout everything, too, no matter what the sacrifices. Um, so I'd like to pose the big question. Okay. Uh, we've talked, you know, extensively why we both love this movie mm-hmm. and how it's, you know, it's rewatchable, tons of fun, very funny, quotable. Why is it to you a movie that you continue to come back to and one that adds you would say what is something that you take away from it that adds to your love of film okay. i mean you're a big guy you, you you're like the biggest 80s freak that i know so like <laughs> you know well i did live in the 90s yeah, too no, so. like, <laughs> yeah i didn't skip that no so like i mean you just grew up in like this this like a golden era of movies yeah. like how does this one that some people might just kind of pass by and see like this almost random western how does it kind of add to your love of film well I think for me it hit at the right time Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know I was just kind of of the right age Um, something about it just rang true uh, to me and and just resonated with me like no other movie had before Um, and that's not saying the you know the movies from the 80s weren't great you know there's some obviously all-time classics in that decade but for this one it was just the story how it was portrayed how yeah a little over the top but boy it was just a fun ride Mm -hmm. like a really good story a fun ride and the performances just blew me away is um, is the ride something that you want, like something that you instantly want to go into? Like I want, like this is a big part of why I love movies. Like I want a good ride, or is it just kind of something that, when it happens, I, that just kind of stands out? Yeah, I I think it depends on the movie too. Like mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily go into like watching it. Uh, I I can enjoy like Empire Records is one of my other favorite movies. Um, completely the opposite of Tombstone, uh, in just about every regard. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's just, I don't know, I guess it's just of that time, uh, of that play. Like, I, I'll i go back to it, like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's almost like a good song. Yeah. You, you remember, there, like, a song strikes a chord with you, and it, or it hits you at this certain moment, and for some reason, every time you hear that song, you go back to that day. You go back to that time frame. Um, I think there's a little bit of nostalgia in that for me um not that i want to you know relive the 90s every day um <laughs> it's the 80s but <laughs> no uh no um but I, I don't know it takes you back to the movie takes you back to kind of as yes it's violent but kind of maybe what would be regarded as a simpler time um and that kind of does it for me as well mm-hmm. um 
it reignited it really ignited my love uh for movies in regard to i it's just a great adventure oh yeah um and i've seen some great comedies like you you were talking about a uh kind of like that rite of passage movie um tombstone was that a little bit you know uh the big one in my family was actually monty python and the holy grail yeah um when i finally got to see that with the family it was like oh my gosh i, I know quite the no yeah quite the like, bipolar yeah. juxtaposition there <laughs> but it it just i, I don't know I, I can't quite put my finger on it other than you know it's a little also a bit like a shawshank redemption uh-huh where I saw Shawshank Redemption and was just like, this is a really great story. Yeah. And it's it's one of those movies that if it pops on TV, I'll just leave it on. Like, the, it's not a, oh, I'm just going to flip it over at, at this scene now. Yeah. Um, and I can do that with, like, other ones. Like, I, I can do that with, like, a Lord of the Rings or a Star Wars because, and I've seen all of them, like, almost an equal amount of times. But there's just something about Tombstone that's just so uh, good to me that it's yeah. just like, all right, I, I, I can turn this on and I can either sit down and watch it. And I actually almost got myself in trouble. I almost came in late today because I started to rewatch it again this morning <laughs> uh, just, just to kind of prepare. Um, and and I'm sitting there and, and, and I got a text from Professor Evans. I'm like, Oh right, this thing called work. I should probably <laughs> I should probably get up and go. Yeah. Uh, but it does. It the world just brings you right into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit of it as well. Like you're immersed in this world and it just feels familiar. It and there and again, like just kind of different movies, different times. The first first movie I ever saw in a movie theater was E.T. Yeah. I remember that. Um, I just rode the E.T. ride. Um, mm-hmm. and my a niece, classic. Yeah. Um, and my my niece, we rode it like three times. Um, and she's now like, oh, I love E.T. It's like, okay, cool. Like it, I'll introduce this next generation. But I understand that that's, that even if she sees that movie, it might not have as much of an impact on her as something else she's seen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, for me, Tombstone's just, it, it, it is that movie. I, I like the cinematography. I like the sweeping landscapes. Part of it might be um, family is kind of like a farming background. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neighborhood is kind of built around the family farm. Uh, so there's that little bit of that kind of, western type vibe yeah. you know not that we went around and had like shootouts or anything like that oh, yeah. but uh but you know there's a little bit of like like that wide open spaces and that love for the wide open spaces yeah and the cinematography really communicates that like really well you can really for picture sure. yourself in the space and what it would be like to live in that time yeah i think and kind of the same with like the rite of passage movies i mean i wouldn't necessarily consider you know tombstone one of those but it felt like something that i had waited so long to you know Mm -hmm. see and you know finally after seeing it it felt so rewarding and you know there's a lot of movies like that that you know i always cite like you know die hard was the first movie that i saw that was rated r yeah i was eight years old and that you know changed everything for me it was one of the movies that like changed everything for me um and it it stays with you in a different way because i mean there's a lot there's a lot of 
stuff that's built up around it. And I mean, Tombstone didn't necessarily have for me like the big level of hype per se, mm -hmm. but it was because personally I knew about it yeah. and it looked cool. And I was like, I want, you know, I want to get to the point where I could see that movie. Um, this movie for me does a couple things and, and we discussed a little bit about it, but one of, one of the facts is that in this movie, you could look at it and be like, there's flaws in it. Mm -hmm. And there, there definitely are. I mean, like I said, the whole kind of love story plot feels a little convoluted and it somewhat adds to the idea that he, the reason that Dana Delaney is right for Kurt Russell is because they both, you know, want the same thing. But like, do they? Because there's that scene where he's, where she's like, you know, what do I want? You know, I... I want, you know, I, I just want room service. And then he goes home and asks Dana Wheeler Nixon, like, let's go order yeah. room service. She's like, room service? What are you talking about? And I guess that's supposed to be the moment, like, oh, they're not right for each other. But it still feels kind of weird and tacked on. Yeah. Like, I'm not really, I don't really buy that per se. But like, you know, I kind of, I kind of like that. A movie's not like squeaky clean, perfect. You know, I, I, I can go in and be like, okay, you know, they tried to do this thing. This is a flaw, but like, you know, it kind of adds to the overall experience of just them. You can kind of see the amount of like care that they like tried to put into the movie. And that's the other big thing that I, you know, take away apart from you know just being okay with the fact that a movie has flaws is that the the personal history of the movie or not personal the you know production history of it is you know so rocky like we've talked about how all over the place it was and the fact that it still got made. And, as, and is as good as this because there's so yeah. many movies that you think about where the production was just crazy and it ends up good obviously you know Jaws The Godfather but there are a lot of other movies where the production is just in shambles and it could have been so much better so like something like this has a production that just feels like everything is almost there are a lot of things working against them in some way they're changing directors you know there's a lot of like you know I did this or I did this mm -hmm. and like um but it comes together still, and though flawed, is so much fun to watch, and it is something that I can, like I said, I can come back to and have such a good time on an adventure. I do love this adventure, and you know, I like I said, I kind of grew up with those adventure movies. Like I love Indiana Jones, I yeah. love Die Hard. You know, I love all of those movies because where the characters go, you know, the characters are established and mm -hmm. they're well established. Like in this movie, you know, more so, you know, Wyatt Earp and uh, his brothers and Doc Holliday than really anybody else. But like, I'm there, like I'm right. in it and I just, I can go. And I love when a movie can do that and make me think about the flaws, but not, they don't, they don't really make, like make it or break it for me. Right. You know, maybe if it was like a bigger flaw, maybe, but like, you know, maybe the theater scene's a little long. Maybe the love story isn't that great. Maybe some of the other characters, I like, they kind of sidestep and just kind of go away for a bit. But, you know, I still, I, I like all of that. Yeah. You know, like, and it's not even like in a way, like some people say, you know, if a movie's flawed, it's bad and it, you enjoy it. So it's so bad, it's good. Sure, there are some movies that are like that. We've talked about yeah. many of them on the show before. But, no, this movie is actually something that I can look at and be like, this was made in the 90s. And yeah, that may date it, that may date it but I like that. It's right. like it's almost like a time capsule movie, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um and but it's not it, it, it also it also continue it holds up. Yeah. You know. There's a lot of stuff that hold up. Yeah. yeah. Uh it it's not like a Superman 4, you know, <laughs> from also a cinematic classic oh, from yeah, the 1980s, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um uh, and and you see that too where like a production can go really well and almost flawless and they come out with this movie and you sit there and you go, "What?" Yeah. 
like, boy, did that fall flat? Yeah. Like, how did how did that? But I I think it, I think the love that the actors and the producers put into making this movie is what made the movie. Yeah. Like had had it been well, and it, I think that's the difference between Tombstone and what comes out a couple months later with Wyatt Earp. You yeah. know, um, it's not saying Kevin Costner's a bad actor. It's not saying Dennis Quaid's a bad actor. Um, it's saying Randy Quaid's a bad actor. No, um, <laughs> no. Have you seen Days of Thunder? <laughs> no. I, yes, yes, I have. Um, but it, it holds up, mm-hmm. you know, and and much like you know a Die Hard, you know, it's one of those movies that people can kind of go back to. Now it it doesn't get as much credit as that. Um, which I think is fair. But, I mean, they're different yeah. movies, and like you know, Die Hard was like revolutionary yeah. at the time, and you know, Tombstone's a little different. Yeah. Well, Tombstone has that cult movie status, uh-huh. um, where you know people know and they'll know some quotes. Um, but it's a it's a good it's a good movie. Yeah. Is it the greatest movie ever made? Probably not. No. It, it, <laughs> but for for me, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So. Thanks, Tim. No problem. Thank you, Josh. All right, that does it for this episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. Thanks so much to Tim Skinner for coming on. Really great to talk to him. This podcast was produced by Sullivan Harris, who also did all the season two artwork. If you like this, you can go follow us on Facebook, Frankly, I Love Movies, and Twitter, Frankly underscore podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at joshvaljosh21 for all fun updates going on in my life. And until then, tune in in two weeks for another episode talking about a special movie with a special guest. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies.